we move along this morning in our series on before and after. And we're looking at going from bland to salt in dark to light. And you say, well, what does all that mean? Well, let's look at the first verse we need to go to today. Matthew chapter 5, beginning of verse 13, the Bible says, You, talking about us as Christians, you're salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. And so in our day and time, usually we think of salt as uh, doing something to our food, you know, making our food taste better. And it's not salty enough, let's put a little more in there, cooking with salt or adding salt to the food, making it better. But in this day and time, salt was used primarily as one thing, a food preservative. They would put salt on their meat and it would preserve their meat for a period of time because they didn't, imagine this now, they didn't have refrigerators or freezers during this time. And so anything you had like meat, it would ruin very quickly unless you salted it down to make it preserved. And so he's talking to us as Christians, and so we've been looking at our metamorphosis for some weeks now because when we are lost without Jesus, we're like the caterpillar. But at some time in their life, the caterpillar, over a period of time, goes into a cocoon, makes a cocoon, puts itself in there, and then two weeks later it comes out and look at the other result. It's a butterfly, a total transformation, transformed. Metamorphosis is the word there. And the Bible uses that as we've seen over the last few weeks. Uh, the word is used for us too. When we're lost, we're the caterpillar. When we're saved, we're the butterfly. We're totally different, totally transformed, inside and out, new heart, and going in a different direction, doing different things. Never again will that butterfly go back and crawl on the ground and eat leaves. It'll go to the flowers and get nectar out of it. And so same thing with us. We do not do the things we used to do. We don't go to the places we used to do. We don't act like we used to act. And we're a different person as a result. So he's saying to them in Matthew chapter 5, followers of Jesus create a thirst for Jesus and people who need Jesus. So when we're born again, we're saved. When we've gone through the, through the transformation, we're the new person in Christ. We now have Jesus living in us. And what we do is go around creating a thirst for Jesus and people around us who need Jesus. You know, I've been told on good authority, you know who they are, that people have told me that in bars, you know where you go to drink? Not that anybody knows about bars, but, but there are places called bars out there, saloons or juke joints, pubs, okay, places like that that people go to have a beer or something. And they tell me, just people have told me through the years, that when you go to the bar, a lot of times on the bar they've got something called peanuts, and they're free. And you can just have a bowl of them sitting there, you just get you a few peanuts, eating peanuts, and talking to your friend or, you know, trying to do something there with somebody. And so you're drinking some beer and drinking some alcohol, and you reach over and get some more peanuts. Now, why would a bar, a pub, a saloon, a juke joint, allow you to have free peanuts and just sit there and eat them all night. Why would they do that? What? All right. Y'all have been there, haven't you? <laughs> That's what they say. Y'all have heard the same people that I've heard. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I heard it from Bubba. Well, my brother's the one that brought it up first. So anyway, we won't go there. I don't have any room to talk. I know. You've heard my testimony, so you know the story. Uh, but anyway, what the peanuts do is make a person get thirsty. We're the same way as Christians. We're making people get thirsty for Jesus. 
Because as we're walking around the world in which we walk around into, wherever it is we go, we're making people thirsty for Jesus by the way we act, by the way we talk, by the way we live. People see Jesus in us and say, there's something different about you. You don't do the same things I do. You don't act like I do. You don't get all out of sorts like I get out of sorts. You don't fuss and cuss and throw things and hit things. You don't do things like I do. How come? What's different about you? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you. And you're creating a thirst for Jesus and people who need Jesus. So when someone sees us following Jesus, there we are walking with Jesus, living for Him, doing what He wants to do, possessing biblical qualities, just taking God's Word and living it out in our lives, just taking it wherever it is and wherever it comes from that we've read, we've understood, we start applying it to our life. They see those qualities in our life. They see us reacting to the pressures of the world in a Christ-like way. We're saying, okay, I could throw a big fit right here, right now, but instead of that, I'm going to act like Jesus wants me to act. I'm going to do it His way, not my way. And so they see that. They, whoever they are, they desire to discover why we're different. And so they just see us with different qualities, different characteristics, different character, doing things God's way, not our way, doing things God's way, not the world's way. And they see what's different in us, and they begin to ask the question, how can I have that? I need to discover that. What's different about you? And they begin to ask us questions. Well, salt is a food preservative, as it was, as I mentioned a moment ago, there in the biblical days, what it's primarily used for. Well, for us as Christians, we're to prevent moral decay. We are to slow down immorality in the world in which we live. If it weren't for the Christians, how much more immoral would the world be? Because we look around and we see a lot of immorality. But imagine all the Christians being taken out and then see what the world does. How much different would it be without us in it? And so it should be with each one of us asking that same question personally. How much different would the world be if I weren't in it? We should be making a difference, you see. We should be that salt of the earth. And so he says, though, in that verse, in that uh, chapter 5, verse 13, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? No longer good for anything but to be thrown out and, you know, not any good anymore. So what does he mean by loses its saltiness? It simply means this. I've become defiled. The world has defiled me. I've let the world come into my life. I've let the world overwhelm me and overtake me. And so therefore I'm being defiled. Or I become useless. It means that when I lose my saltiness, I'm useless to Christ because I'm not living different than the world. I'm not acting different than the world. I'm doing what the world does and acting like the world. And so I say I'm a Christian, I'm born again, I'm saved, but I'm looking no different than the world in which I live in. So I become useless to Jesus. And also means I become mixed with impure substances and I'm useless as a food preservative, such as... I uh, left one thing in here. It's my little cup. Okay. Such as a lot of people use salt to cook with. So here we have salt, and you might take some salt and pour it into a little, I don't know, uh, something, and, and now you're going to put that in your cake mix or whatever it is you're cooking, and would that be about the right? Not cake? You don't put salt in cake? No, not that much. Not that much? Okay. Well, whatever you're cooking. I'm not a cook, so don't, just hold on. How much, what would you put that in? That much salt, what would you put it in? French fry. French fry, yeah, French fry. <laughs> so there you are cooking something, and you're making not a cake, but something else, and you put it on French fries. Now you're making it taste better, for one thing, for us, but you're also going to rub it on some meat and rub it down, and you're going to make that meat preserved in a longer period of time. 
But imagine doing this. Now this, this is salty. She told me to take it out of there. This is dirt. This is just plain old dirt came right out of the ground. I dug it up this morning, right out of the ground. Well, it's really just sand because it's just so dry. But imagine this, me taking the salt, putting it in that dirt, and just kind of rolling around in there. I still see some salt in there. I still, still see the white part. You can see it right there, can't you? And, uh, but now, would you want to put that on your french fries? You know, would you want to pour that out? Would you want to mix that in with your cake mix? Oh, wait, you don't put salt in cake. Okay, never mind. But whatever, your biscuits. Don't you put salt in biscuits? Yeah, yeah? okay, good. <laughs> Got that one. Uh, so imagine now putting that in your biscuit mix. You wouldn't do it either. So anything you would put salt in, you're not going to do it anymore because it's been, look, become mixed with impure substances, substances and it's useless as food preservative. That's what happens to us as Christians. We can get into the world and let the world just stir us up and let the world just circulate our lives. And now you can still see Jesus in us, but we're not as useful to Christ as we were. And so we're not going to pour, God's not going to use us to pour that out in the world in which the world will say, wait a minute, they're no different than me. Why should I get saved? Why, not, why should I go to church? Why should I read my Bible? Why should I pray? Why should I do anything for God when I'm looking at them and they look, don't look any different than I do? So what's the difference? And so that's what happens when we lose our saltiness. We let the impurities of the world infiltrate our minds, our hearts, our very souls, and we become no different than the world. Yeah, we're saved. Yeah, we're going to heaven when we die. But we're useless to Christ in that way. So the only thing we can do then is repent of it. Now, we'll never be able to get this salt back out of here and make it pure again because it's got all the dirt mixed in it unless we pick it out one little grain at a time. But we can go to God and say, Lord, I've let the world take me over. I've let the world overwhelm me. I've let the world infiltrate my life. And I want to repent of these things and get these things out of my life, get the impurities out so that I can be useful to you again. So I'm not defiled. So I'm not impure. So I'm not mixed with the world. I'm set aside like I was. I'm set aside like I need to be. I'm set aside for you to do your work so that you can work through me in the world in which I live and people can see Jesus in me and I can make a difference in the world around me. So this the salt that's lost its salt is no, not good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Because then what happens, people begin, begin to talk about us and say, you know, let me think about this. They say they're a Christian, they say they go to church, they say they read the Bible, they say they pray, but I look at their life and their life is no different than mine. I'm confused here. And so they begin to talk about us, and so that, in a sense, they begin, begin to trample us. It's the world response to Christians if they don't function as they should. That's how the world sees the Christians who don't function as they should. They're saying, this didn't make any difference, did it? This is not penetrating your heart, is it? This is just something you talk about, but not something you live. And so that's what the world does Those when it's defiled. Well, followers of Jesus who become defiled by the world are unable to create a thirst for Jesus in people who need Jesus. It's kind of like somebody took the peanuts and sucked all the salt off of it and put it back in a bowl. And then some of those that knows about all that, like Douglas and uh, Patricia, I think, did, uh, go in there and start getting those peanuts out of the bowl and they don't say salty, and they ask the guy the next to them, you eating any of these peanuts? They're not salty. I know, I just sucked all the salt out of them and put it back in there. And so, you know, you wonder what's going on. Well, same thing with Christians. I know, let that stick in your mind for a while. 
You'll never eat another peanut, will you? <laughs> okay, these are still sealed up, so these are going to be okay as far as I know. So if you want them before you go home, there's lunch. Um, where were we? <laughs> Don't know now, do you? Okay. So there we were, there we are, unable to create a thirst for Jesus because what happened to the salt? So we move on then, verse 14. You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. See, the light's intended to shine to give directions to people in the dark. And so just as flashlights used to, and I'll try not to get in your eyes, just if you're in the dark night and you want to know how to get around, you use a flashlight so you can see where you're going. And if you've got somebody following you, say, come on, let's go this way. They don't know where to go. You're, you're taking your light and you show them where to go. Or you're finding the light for your own self to know where to go. And that's what a light's for. Well, he says, we're the same way. Christians shine the light, like the light of Jesus into a dark world and direct people to Him. And so just as we're sought to make a difference in the world in which we live, we're to create a thirst for people to be attracted to Jesus. We're also to be a light in the world to direct people to Him. We're saying, come this way. Do these things. Go this route. Take these directions in life from what God wants you to do, and God will direct your path. God will show you how to live. God will show you all the ways in which you're to do things. And so we're just directing people to Jesus, showing them how to live. Well, just like in John 8, 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus said, he himself, he said, I'm the light. But see, when Jesus lives in us, we become the light also. He's reflecting through us. He's working through us. He becomes the light in us through the world, to the world in which we live. Also, John 9, 5, Jesus said, while I'm in the world... I'm the light of the world. Well, he's still in the world through us, through the, through the Holy Spirit living in Christians. And in John 5.15, he goes on to say, Neither do people light a lamp, put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand so it gives light to everyone in the house. So we don't have the kind of light we need this morning. But if you were to take the light, turn it on, as you can see it's on, but then put your hand over it, well, what good is that? I said, we'll just have it off. And so he says, you don't take a light and hide it under something. You don't take a light put it behind something, you put light on the stand, so you can light up the whole room. So you can see where you're going, where the direction, what direction you need to go. Same thing with a Christian. We don't get saved and we don't get to Jesus and we don't uh, have our life set out for us to go to heaven and then just sit down and sit back and say, well, Jesus come someday for me or I'll die one day and go to be with him and I'm just going to sit back. I've got my fire insurance now. I'm going to heaven and just sit back and wait for Jesus to come and for me to die, one or the other. He said, we put, a lamp, put it out there. We want it to be seen. We want people to see us and know us so that we give light to everyone around us. So everyone we encounter should be able to see the light of Jesus shining from us. Whenever Jesus lives in us, Holy Spirit lives in us, everybody around us ought to know it because they see the light coming out of us of Jesus. It's not what we're doing, but what He's doing within us. So in Matthew 5.16, move it on, he says, In the same way, let your light shine before men. Before people, wherever you go, work, school, home, wherever it may be, that they, whoever they are, may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So everybody ought to see Jesus in us because everywhere we go, there's Jesus. Everywhere we go, we're traveling, we're moving, going places, going to stores, going into uh, towns, going to shop, wherever it may be that we're going, People are seeing Jesus in us because we're shining. We're not letting our light be turned on. We're saved. We're born again. I'm just going to cover it up, not tell anybody about it. 
People are seeing it, not because of what we're saying, but what we're doing, how we're living. So our good works should shine into a lost and dying world. Wherever we go, our light ought to be shining to a lost world. Why? So they may see our good works and praise us for them. Hmm? Hmm? Yeah? Hmm? Didn't say it right, did I? Did you catch it? Praise God for them. See, sometimes we like a pat on the back, don't we? You did a good job. You know, boy, that was a great choir. You, you did great singing. You know, you, you did wonderful. That was a great song. We like that. We enjoy that. That's not why we do it, is it? That's right. Everything we do that we call good, everything we do that God is working through us to do, that gifts us to do whatever it is we're doing, we're not wanting the praise for that. We're wanting Him to get it. Because without Him, we're nothing. Without Him, we can't do those things. See, everybody who's ever been saved, born again, come into the kingdom, has at least one spiritual gift. God has given us something to do, whatever it may be. You may have two, three, you may have four or five. But you've got at least one. One thing that God wants you to do, whatever it is that you're special for, that He says, here's your gift to do this. Now, go out and do it. And we go out and do whatever it is we know He wants to do. Then as a result, when people see Jesus in us, when, you see him, when they see Him working through us, when they see His light shining out of us, and we're creating a thirst for Him and other people, then they begin to praise Him and not us because we don't want to praise. It's nothing about us that deserves praise. It's all about Him. So when we're shining our light in that lost and dying world in which we live, people are seeing Jesus in us, but they're giving Him the praise because we're pointing Him to them and them to Him. And so when our life is transformed from bland to salty, you know, we've added some salt to our life, we've become the salt, we're making a difference in the world in which we live, we're becoming a preservative, we're not being mixed in the into the world and with the world. We're not being defiled by the world. We're set aside as pure and holy and righteous and doing what God wants to do, carrying out our spiritual gift. <clears throat> and when we're moving out of the darkness, the darkness of uh, before salvation, the darkness of lostness into the light of Jesus and Jesus comes and lives in us and He creates the light in us for us to shine so that He can get the glory and we don't, then we can influence the world for Jesus by becoming that salt and light. And so everywhere people are that are Christians, that are born again, that are saved, that are the salt and the light in the world in which we live, they're making a difference for Him. They're making a difference for the kingdom of God. They're pointing people to Jesus. People are being attracted to the kingdom of God and say, I want to come in where I need to be like you. Wouldn't you want... Well, let me ask you this way. Would the world be a better place if more people were just like you? Just like you. I mean, they acted like you, they talked like you, they worked like you do, they do the same kind of things you do, they go places like you go. And if more people were like that, we got about 330 million people in America. If at least 100 million people in America were just like you, would America be a better place? You know, we ought to be able to say yes, it would. We ought to be able to say yes. I wish 200 million people were more like me. Because the world would be, America would be a better place. We should. Because we ought to be able to say yes, because I'm salt. 
I'm out there creating a thirst for Jesus for them to have what I have. And, and I'm the light. And I'm letting the light of Jesus shine wherever I go. And I'm pointing people to Him and directing people to Him and showing them how to get to Him. And so, yes, the world would be a better place if half the country was more like me. That's what we ought to be able to say this morning. See the last part there. We can make a difference. We can make a difference. Now, a lot of times we talk about our government, and I don't know why. A lot of times we talk about our politicians. I'm not sure why we do that. We, you know, have no reason to. And we talk about making a difference in our country. Our country ought to do this, and our country ought to do that. Our country ought to be going this direction. Our country ought to be going that direction, all that. And, and so we begin to pray for our country and so forth. But, you know, probably in our lifetime as an individual, we may not make a great difference in our country as a whole. But what we can do is make a difference in one person. One person. And that one person may be the person that makes a difference. Because, see, every leader in our country used to be a little boy and a little girl. Used to be the little little hunters and little jacks and little Alexes and, and all the other children. And, and the little JRs, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and so the, all of our leaders in our nation used to be little boys and little girls. And imagine if their fathers or their mothers or both, or imagine if their Sunday school teachers and their leaders in the church had them there, or imagine they were in vacation Bible school for a week. And they came there and they learned about Jesus and they heard about Jesus and each week they're being brought to the church by their father and their mother and they're hearing about Jesus and learning about Jesus and every week they're getting a little more knowledge and they're, they're reading their Bible and they're praying and, and God's doing a work in their heart and, and one day they said, I want to be saved and I want to give my heart to Jesus and then they grew up to be the leader in our nation they are today. How much different would that one person be, you see? And so there we have that influence right now, especially this next week. That is, we influence those little children that have come from ages four through grade six. That if we make an influence just one person, and then one day they grow up and become a national leader, we can look back and say, you know what? <laughs> I created a thirst in their heart for Jesus when I had them in, and, and I had. They saw the light of Jesus in my life and I pointed them in the right direction. See, we might not make a difference in the nation as a whole, as us as individuals, but we can make a difference in one person at a time. And they go out and make a difference in somebody else and they go out and make a difference in somebody else and just begins to multiply. Just begins to take on an army of its own because we started something and we pointed people to Jesus. We can make a difference. So the question is this morning, are we as individuals making a difference? Each one of us in this room, are we making a difference? And at least one person around us, maybe it's in their family, maybe it's in our workplace, maybe it's in our school, maybe it's just a friend, a neighbor, whoever it may be, are we making a difference in just one person around us somewhere? We can. We can be the salt and we can be the light in their life. But it has to begin in us first. We first, ourselves, have to be salt. 
And we first ourselves have to be light. And maybe we're not there today yet, but we want to be. Because maybe somewhere along the way, seeds have been planted in our life, and now they're ready to come up. And we say, yes, I want to be that salt and light. I want to be saved. I need to be born again. And then I can turn around and be that influence in people around me to create a thirst for other people for Jesus and shine the light in my life to point people to Jesus. But it starts with us first. So are we making a difference? Or does Jesus need to make a difference in us today?